0: United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN.
1: Let's go! This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSN, the sports betting network.
3: What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us on a Monday live from Circa Resort and Casino. This is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. I'm Stormy Bonantoni, Michael Lombardi. Getting some time away with vacation. JVT, Jonathan Von Tobel, stepping in, holding down the fort like he has all of last week as well. And it's I still can't get over it. Like, I worked one day with Michael, and even just from cross-country, he must have thought I smelled funny or something. It was just like, I can't do this anymore. Moving on.
4: Can't do that to yourself. It's all I right. sat next to Michael For many, many, many uh, weeks in Atlantic City. So maybe the musk of Atlantic City covered my smell, uh, you know, when we were out there together at the ocean.
3: Sometimes, Hey, we're in this together, JVT. I appreciate you. But a great show on tap today. Lots and lots of NFL conversation to get into with the breaking news of the day that Derek Carr is going to the New Orleans Saints. Of course, we had the Combine and um, some workout warriors who put on a show, which Mm -hmm. is Change some odds even more. We'll get into that in about 30 minutes. Thomas Gable of the Borgata Race and Sportsbook is going to talk through some college basketball tournament stuff with us. Take us behind the counter there at 1245 Eastern. Mark Schofield of SB Nation covers the NFL and the draft closely and in our two VEASAN zone. Mike Pritchard, nine-year NFL vet, former wide receiver and college football national champion. All right, let's get over it. Buffs, okay, Mike Come Fritchard. on, it was years ago. <laughs> um, he's excited. We've got Coach Prime and everything that's going on over there at Colorado, but great show ahead. And like I said, let's get this thing rocking and rolling with the NFL storylines and the news of the day, Derek Carr confirmed it himself with Twitter, with the, the who dat. Out there, he's headed to the NFC South, which I think is, yeah. is a win for him.
4: Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. I, the, the two teams in the NFC South, the Panthers and the Saints, I think were should have been like the top two choices. It made the most sense. It was a wide-open division. It gives you the best chance of winning a division. Should you join that team, you automatically become the best team in that division. And so you see those odds in terms of the adjustments for the Saints, uh, now the favorites, to win that division. I, I am I'm honestly fascinated by this because there was a long time where – you could make the argument for Derek Carr that he was one of the more undervalued quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, the from 2019 to 2021, we're talking about PFF grades of 77.5, 81.2, 83.9. Those are in order of lowest to highest, not exactly the order of terms of the years that he played, but took care of the football, was just a consistent quarterback. Remember, you know, 2021 threw for over 5,000 mm-hmm. yards. So you could make that argument. But what the interesting dynamic here is to me. If you look at him coming off of arguably the worst season of his career outside of his rookie season, going in and taking the place of a quarterback who played in, uh, what are we talking about here for Andy Dalton? How many games did he end up playing in? Whatever it was. Posted a PFF passing grade of 81, had an 18 to 9 touchdown interception ratio. Like, he actually wasn't terrible. So what I'm getting at is, like, I think Derek Carr is an undervalued quarterback, but I am fascinated about how much better he actually does make the Saints, considering that statistically to a quarterback who was actually better than him last year. Right? Like, I, I think it's like a really interesting dynamic. I don't think there's any denying that there is still something left for Derek Carr, but is this the start of the decline or is this going to be something that is like legitimate? Cause remember also, I don't know about this. I mean, I think they added the best wide receiver in the national football yeah. league for him last year. And he had his, his worst career year. Yeah, I, I just, who was his really best friend
3: as well from college. They had the right. best hookup in, in Fresno state history. Yep. Um, but it's one of those things that with Derek Carr, I think this will be fascinating to follow. Um, he's going to have a defense that should be able to back him up pretty well mm-hmm. equippedly here. Um, he is somebody that I think has the tools for success, but that's a great question. Like you said, is he on the decline or not? Maybe it's like Cheryl Crow says, a change will do you good, and this change of scenery could oh, be something says? that would be positive. Um, for can I, me... Can well, I add really quickly? Sure. I think you're
4: at, you had a really good point the Saints were the sixth best team in terms of defensive EPA per play. So, like, maybe he doesn't have to do that much, right? So maybe he does make the team better and that he gives them a baseline of play. So I I think it's a really good point that, you know, that the Saints defensively were one of the better teams in the National Football League last year.
3: One thing I wanted to ask you about when it comes to kind of like how all of this played out, yesterday, as soon as, like, as recent as last night and even early this morning, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler was reporting that the Packers were Derek Carr's first choice, And then overnight, this deal gets worked out to where he's going to New Orleans now. Is that, am I reading too much into the tea leaves here that maybe he heard something or was given the impression then that the Jets are getting Aaron Rodgers?
4: Maybe, right? Because I saw the same report too. I mean, I don't even, I don't think the Jets were really a great fit for him anyway, though. So maybe that is what happened. Maybe he got wind that either, but that was the thing too, to your, like, the Jets, by all accounts, outside of the Saints, were the teams that courted, were the team that courted them the most, right? Mm-hmm. He was he was caught in a picture uh, having lunch or dinner, whatever it was, with Robert Sala. I'm sure he picked up the check. Uh, when he, I think, met with them twice, three times,
3: maybe. Yeah, telling him he could be a Hall of Famer of if he comes there. Yeah, there was what? the public
4: comments, right? Yes. So yeah, I don't know if that would tell you that maybe he got the sense that they were just waiting to see it. Maybe it doesn't even know, mean Stormy that they are going to get Aaron Rodgers maybe it just meant that they were dragging their feet at the chance that they were going to get Aaron Rodgers does okay. that make sense and so if you're you know you're sitting there and if you you want to be courted in any like relationship you're not going to sit back and go I'm not going to wait for you to get somebody you'd rather prefer. I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to make my choice now. And why not go to the team that has the former head coach that I've worked with before and whatnot. So maybe that's what exactly happened.
3: So Derek Carr, um, going to the saints, we mentioned they are the new favorite in the NFC South go from two to one to plus plus one thirty. his comeback player of the year odds sitting there 20 to one. Just throwing it out there. What is he coming to back win from? it all? What did Geno Smith come back from
4: to win it well, all? Well, Geno Smith, we came back from like years as like a backup and being forgotten by the NFL. Derek Carr played in almost every game last year. He came back from
3: being bad, I and guess. that is what I would say with Derek Carr. You just said worst year statistically in the National Football League. He's coming back from being bad.
4: I guess when you get benched for Jared Stidham, you're coming back from something. He's
3: coming back from um franchise. Just life awfulness. Okay. I don't know a better way to put that together. Saints odds to win it all remain in the forty to one range here, though as well. You want to go to the combine, talk through a, a little Anthony sure. Richardson mayhem here?
4: Can I can I point out really quickly? Sure. I will say this. So you mentioned so the Saints plus one forty here in thereabouts to win the NFC South. I may be crazy, but and this ties into the, the draft and the combine. If the Carolina Panthers are rumored to be like the, one of the teams that could move up to get a quarterback. I would not say no to the Carolina Panthers if they were to grab, like, a C.J. Stroud in the NFL draft to win this division. I I thought Stroud was brilliant on Saturday watching him. A lot of people thought he was great. I still think he could be a really good quarterback in the National Football League. I think the pieces and the coaching staff for Carolina is actually really, really good. So I wouldn't say no to Carolina should they get, like, C.J. Stroud, a really pro-ready type guy, like, right away. to
3: be? So you're saying, like, C.J. Stroud comes in day one starter in Carolina? Oh, yeah, Yeah. I think so. I think that would
4: be the case. And I would I would, uh, I would, not say no to that team winning that division.
3: And I wouldn't necessarily think that they'd be afraid to do that. Like, David Tepper is willing to go all in and mm-hmm. wants to win and is tired of the quarterback play they've had these last few years. Like, they made wholesale changes in their coaching staff for a reason. Oh,
4: and t- the kids come in ready to go right away nowadays. Like, there's – obviously, there is the guy that we're going to talk about that seems to be a developmental piece in Anthony Richardson. You're talking about more upside and projection than you are with actual quarterback play being ready to go. But Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, these two especially – they're going to be starters day one for whoever drafts.
3: Yeah, and CJ, CJ Sproud, too, Like, is the prototypical size that you mm-hmm. want for a guy, too. Um, we saw in the combine the accuracy. He was just dropping the bread in the basket to not only the couple passes that he had to Jackson Smith and Jigba, but guys that he's never worked out with before. He looked great.
4: So I rewatched it on Sunday morning waiting for college basketball to start and was reading a bunch of recaps. And it's funny as we're going to talk about Anthony Richardson's vault up many markets mm-hmm. The combine coming out of it was, yes, Anthony Richardson was great but there were a lot of people storming that said what CJ Stroud did in the passing drills was one of the best showings they've seen in the combine from a quarterback.
3: Got Daniel Jeremiah, one of those people. Right. <laughs>
4: like... So I was like, I was amazed watching that. Dyna- and the, and the dynamic was even cooler, which was Anthony Richardson was 11 and CJ Stroud was 12. So like Richardson would go up and throw, and then you get CJ Stroud and like, he would be, Stroud was great. And, but the market kept creeping up on Anthony Richardson. But I think Stroud's a really pro ready quarterback. I know there's like this history and people will push back on Ohio state quarterbacks. Every quarterback is built differently. I like a lot of what C.J. Stroud brings to the table. So if you're put in a position where you have like a, a friendly offensive coach in Frank Reich, a defense that has some good personnel, and in a weak division, that's really not a high bar to climb over to win that division. Like C.J. Stroud and the Panthers, if that is okay. the matchup, or the you know the meeting, I guess. So obviously
3: his odds have lengthened um, since the combine. Bryce Young's number has gotten shorter, but Stroud from plus three fifty post combine around five to one. Yeah are you thinking that the Panthers have to trade up to one to get him or where? No, no, I I think neither do I, but I'm curious, like a way to bet
0: that. I
4: mean, I, I would think that, so here's the interesting part about this when it comes to number one overall pick and everything that the first quarterback taken, right? So, and we were talking about this over the weekend when you, when you are betting an athletic event, okay, there's obviously the chance of the upset. So if we're betting the Celtics versus the Rockets, let's say, there is a chance that the Rockets can win that game. Well, you know, if a player gets hot, whatever it is. So if we look at something like this, though, in, a, in an information-based event that we know that one singular thing is going to happen, we just don't know what it is, is there a theoretical value? Like, is the probability of C.J. Shroud going at number one higher than what the market is telling us? Maybe. But are you, if you're getting value there, is it actually worth betting? Because at this point, it does seem that Bryce Young is still the best prospect and he's going to be the first overall pick. And so that's why I thought it was fascinating looking at this with Anthony Richardson. You know, you see the post combine numbers that we just threw up there. For him to go from seven to one to three to one post combine to be the number one overall pick, like there is theoretically value in grabbing CJ Stroud at five to one because I think it's more probable that he's the number one overall Mm -hmm. pick than Anthony Richardson. But is that event actually going to play out? I'm not entirely sure. So, in terms of what you're asking, like how you bet it, I'm waiting for markets like, I cannot wait to see if they hang like an Anthony Richardson versus CJ Stroud draft. Like who's get drafted first matchup. That's going to be interesting. CJ Stroud's draft position, where they're going to hang out versus Anthony Richardson. You're waiting for, I think, the opportunities to bet this, because I don't think I want to bet CJ Stroud to go with the number one overall pick, because I just don't think that's going to happen.
3: Are there a few of those matchups that you might be interested by, like Anthony Richardson versus a Will Levis or, you know, different pairings?
4: So that was up. And then during the combine, it opened up minus 140 in favor of Anthony Richardson He does the forty. He does the vertical, and it goes to minus two hundred to go before Will Levis. And then somebody was paying attention, and we were Kelly and I, Kelly Bidlin, were tracking this on Saturday. And then sure enough, like you see that buyback and it dropped right back down to minus 160. Like (laughs) it it was nuts watching what happened during the combine.
3: Everything Anthony Richardson did was the best for a quarterback at this year's combine. Some of which records by the position period in combine history. We'll get into his odds movement and a lot happening with the franchise tag deadline tomorrow. Who's going to get tagged? Who won't when we come back on the Lombardi line?
1: And even... Checkout's not until 4, so...
0: Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. As someone who lives
1: for politics, when a major scandal unfolds...
0: It was shocking.
1: I have to know...
5: This is the Lombardi line with former
4: NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here's your host, Stormy
1: Bonatoni, on v the sports betting
3: network. Time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada, whatever your sport, Whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit MGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem mm. call 1-800-522-4700. Stormy about Tony and Jonathan Von Tobel on the desk here as we continue talking about Combine Week where Anthony Richardson, no surprise, was the star workout warrior. He broke the records in the vertical jump. The long jump for a quarterback ran a four-four-three forty, and um, for a guy who just about a month ago's odds were a hundred to one to be the top overall selection, those have shortened quite a bit. Yes, <laughs> uh,
4: I think so. This is a fascinating conversation, and I will start with this. We uh, there's a lot of us, we the collective we, who view betting odds as like the ultimatum. So, or I, I don't think that phrasing is right, but what I mean is like, so when you see things move, right? So I mean, how many times would people say, Oh, that that's going to happen, right? The odd yeah. moving in that direction, it's
3: like the end all be all right.
4: And that's what much better way to put it. And so I th- there was a lot of people who were like, "And hmm, Anthony Richardson looks like he's going to be number one. I'm like, no, this, these are people betting into the market and shifting these numbers because they're watching the combine and going, wow, this guy's really good. But I put it that like when Kelly and I were talking about this on Saturday, I put it this way. "Wow." The guy we expected to be an insane athlete at the quarterback position is an insane athlete at the quarterback like position. Like, we
3: all knew this is what was going to happen. Maybe not that it was going to be breaking records and everything yep. he did, but how many times coming into the Combine did we say, okay, well, who's going to be the star of the Combine? Obviously, Anthony Richardson. And, Obviously.
4: And as, so I likened. It's the same thing with Bryce Young, right? So, like, Bryce Young, when he weighed in at 204, I, I tweeted out as a joke, like, okay, who now he can go number one overall. If he had been 201, <laughs> then you know what? He's, He's over 25th. 200 no. right, Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, like, it's these little things that we were like, like, why are we reacting to these sort of things? Bryce Young as a passer is still Bryce Young as a passer, whether he is 201 or 204, but the market reacts to those things. And Anthony Richardson, and even in the write-ups, when you saw when you saw recaps of the combine, when you heard people, smarter people than I, NFL mm-hmm. scouts talking about it, and I'd be curious, you know, I just retweeted Michael. Michael apparently just recorded a GM shuffle, by the way, while well, we're on the air, so I don't know why I'm here. Um, but it, I'm curious to hear what Michael has to say right. about this, because from the perspective of, like, I feel like these teams know a little bit more than we know, right? So we're going to react to these things, but yes, like... Teams knew probably, Todd McShay told us right before the draft. Yeah, price is gonna be five, ten and a half. What do you measure at? Five, ten and a half. These guys know five, ten and an eighth. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) You're right. Yep, yep. No, you're right. That makes a big difference. (laughs) That knocked him down a a pick or two. I'm
3: just glad we're not talking about hand size this combine.
4: That's very true. But I I just think to your overall point, what we're getting at here is I I am fascinated that the market moved the way it did Mm -hmm. with Anthony Richardson. And I think if it's gonna continue to kind of be in this space. As we get closer to the draft and as more markets pop up, I'll be looking to play against Anthony Richardson in multiple Mm -hmm. different ways because I think the market is kind of freaking out here. I mean, at one point... Will Levis was supposed to be the first overall pick. Remember, the Colts were supposed to trade up Elliott and and draft Will Levis at the number one overall selection. Now, all of a sudden, he's 140 to go before Anthony Richardson. It's crazy.
3: I did appreciate the confidence from Levis when he was asked why he elected to take part in the throwing portion. Well, I got a cannon, Mm -hmm. want to show it off. So, okay, there you go. Well done, sir. Uh, To go back to Richardson, though. One of those things that is the massive sticking point against him is obviously the accuracy and what you've seen on the tape. A 54% completion percentage isn't going to do it. And looking into some of the numbers, only four quarterbacks have been selected in the first round of the draft the last 25 years with a sub-55 completion percentage. Mm-hmm. That list, Kyle Bowler, Ryan Leaf, Jim Drunkenmiller, and Jake Locker. What do these guys have in common? Was that last name? Not good NFL quarterbacks. Drunken Drunkenmiller.
4: It's not a nickname, right? That's That's his actual name? Okay. Drucken. Wow. Drucken
3: Miller. Um, Really rude. So everyone's going to make the comp to Josh Allen and say, hey, look, we cleaned up the footwork with him. We Mm -hmm. cleaned up the accuracy. Why can't we do that with Anthony Richardson? Because the upside is going to be so much higher, potentially the ceiling so much higher than anybody else that we're going to get this year. But, I mean, the lows are also extremely low, and this is a guy who only played – 13 games as a starter in college football. We don't really know his processing speed. We don't really... uh, There's just so much unknown to me Mm -hmm. that it feels very, very difficult for me to understand that just because he can jump really high and jump really far and is, you know, a body that's built to take a hit that he's going to be the number one overall
2: pick.
4: Yeah, and to your point, I think... The NFL is coming around a little bit more, somewhat like the NBA, in, in that NBA, the NBA teams will spend a top five, top ten pick on projects because, hey, these guys are super young. We're going to develop them. We see what they can be. And you mentioned, I mean, there's a couple of names. You didn't mention Trey Lance. The 49ers mm-hmm. traded up to number three to draft a project in Trey Lance. He did not play his first year.
3: I do I, prefer a guy coming out of the SEC versus well, the FCS. But, but, but I also
4: think, too, let's look at the construction of the teams that will likely take an Anthony Richardson type you're looking at the, if the 49ers went to get a good trade lanes. you want to know why? Because they still had Jimmy Garoppolo, a team that was built to win, and they could afford to trade up for him and then stash him away for a year before they moved on. The Buffalo Bills, when they drafted um, the uh, excuse me, the Josh Allen, yeah, Josh Allen, seventh overall, you know they had a relatively competitive team, and he didn't start the entire time; he only started 11 of the 12, uh, 11 games and appeared in 12. So I, I think when you're looking at this, like, I don't think this is going to be. And again, I'm just pushing back against the concept mm-hmm. of him being like a top three pick. 'Cause it sounds like the Arizona Cardinals are going to trade away that pick. So if that's the case, maybe there's a team that trades up in that spot to go get the third quarterback if that's going to be the case. I don't I wouldn't say no to him being on the fringes of the top ten. I'm just saying in the case of him being the second quarterback taken or the first overall pick. I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here at this
3: point. Yeah, for him, and it's gotta be the right situation. It's gotta be the right fit. Last odds I saw for which teams would draft Anthony Richardson, Panthers a plus three twenty favorite, mm-hmm. Seattle five to one, Raiders, Falcons, and Colts all six to one. Um, and then you got the Lions plus seven fifty and Texans ten to one. The uh the draft, first round of the draft, April twenty seventh. We'll be here before we know it, but still plenty of time before those questions are answered. What we do not have a lot of time for is the franchise tag deadline, which is approaching tomorrow, uh, March 7th, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Uh, and there are some big decisions looming, most notably when it comes to the Giants and Ravens. But let's let's start with the Giants because their problem is twofold. Both Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley set to hit the open market. It looks like Daniel Jones, though, is going to be the guy getting tagged in this spot.
4: Yeah, I guess it makes sense to a certain extent. I mean, if you he had one of his best years under Dable. You probably feel like you can get a little bit more out of them with more time in the system and whatnot. So it's hard to find a quarterback. It's always that it's that adage, right? You know, grass isn't always greener on the other side. You always have to think about what you're going to replace the thing you're replacing with. And that's not always just out there with ease. And especially with one of the quarterbacks off the market now in Derek Carr, and you couldn't really find yourself in negotiations with Derek Carr because you still had a quarterback to take care of technically on your roster in Daniel Jones. So I, I think it makes some sense being the most important position and I am curious about the dynamic with Saquon Barkley. I mean, obviously, the payment dynamic is awesome with Daniel Jones because the report was out there. What was it, 46, 42 million, whatever it was that he wanted? Um, yeah. But from a roster construction standpoint, I mean, he and Saquon Barkley were so vital with their running game <laughs> down the stretch. Yeah. That you do wonder what that's going to mean if Saquon Barkley can find a better
3: deal and if he's going to be gone. Well, and I think the Giants, in a lot of cases, are a victim of their own success for what they've done this year because they didn't exercise the fifth year option. Like, they didn't exercise the fifth year option on Daniel Jones for a reason, Mm -hmm. mind you. Um, But then he has this season where he's one of just three quarterbacks to throw for over 3,000 yards and rush for 700. But Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts, the other two that did that. So he showed his dual threat ability. Saquon Barkley comes back from injury and just explodes and becomes the the catalyst for everything that they do offensively. Without him, they would have been essentially nothing yeah. because they have no weapons on the outside.
4: I feel like, I guess you're making the argument too, if you're looking at this logically, while Saquon Barkley was awesome this year, and this is not meant to downplay him because he ran for 1,400 yards, scored 12 touchdowns on the ground. You can make the argument that it is easier to, as we know in football, right, replace a running back than it would be to replace a quarterback. So if you're going to designate, again, the level of play is one question, right? But we have seen that if you're going to replace a piece, it is much easier to replace a running back than it would be a quarterback.
3: Well, and Daniel Jones, it's just so frustrating because it's a one-season one sample size, essentially, where he played well. Mm-hmm. Like, all we have seen from him, the, the larger sample size is him being – Bad. And so the Giants are just in such a tough spot, I feel like, because like if, if they, the, the offer that we're hearing around potentially being is four years, $160 million. Mm-hmm. Like that's insane to me that you're going to pay this guy over $40 million a year. And I know that the market is what the market is type of a thing, mm-hmm. but who else is going to pay him that? Like, you're just, you're, you're like losing to yourself here if you're in New York.
4: But I also think, so there's one change though, right? There's one difference in all the years that we talked about and this last year, Brian Dable's here. That's that. That's the key, right? That's the change. Is that Brian Dable is clearly a guy who maximizes whatever roster he has. He was a big reason why Josh Allen developed the way that he did, and he's a big reason why this Giants team. Yeah. I mean, he squeezed every bit of juice out of the rock that was the New York Giants last year, and you could do that with your quarterback as well.
3: Oh, I just feel like the Giants are negotiating against themselves, whereas you have a Baltimore team, a Baltimore team, and Lamar Jackson, who like that situation is very different. Like teams mm. probably are willing more willing to spend a couple of first round picks and swoop in there if they do the non-exclusive tag so we will love that dude we will talk about the lamar jackson side of things tony pollard by the way has been a franchise tag name that has come down another running back potentially on the move we're hearing the titans are shopping derrick henry around but thomas gable director of the race and sportsbook at the borgata is coming up next we'll get back to the nfl in a bit
1: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting
4: network.
3: It's March, and the madness is upon us. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber today and get everything you need to bet it all this year for just $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket or you're betting against the spread, our team's here to help get you ready for every game and every round of the dance. Only VSIN Pro subscribers get unlimited access to our daily best bets, tools like exclusive betting splits, plus the big dance bracket and betting guides. These guides feature in depth breakdowns of all 68 teams, Cinderella's, bracket predictions, and picks on every tournament game from Beeson experts, including Brent Musburger and Greg Hoops Peterson. Sign up today, get the betting guides plus full access to Beeson through the end of the tournament for just 19 bucks at slash subscribe. Stormy Bonantoni and JVT live from Las Vegas as we welcome into the show Thomas Gable, director of the Race and Sportsbook over at the Borgata. And Thomas, before we get to Hoops, which we will have plenty of here with you. We just wrapped up a lot of conversation about the combine and odds ahead of the NFL draft as, as a bookmaker and as a director of race and sports book, how tough is it to actually put these odds up because it's such an information based event and a knowledge based event versus strategy of a game or something. It's so different.
5: Yeah, it really is uh, great to be with you both. And uh, it's one of the reasons uh I wait as long as possible to post these, <laughs> uh, post these up. Cause uh, you know, right now I don't even have them up. I, I know a lot of places do, uh, but it's not just not something that is fun to do. It's, you know, uh, certainly, you know, as Patrick Maher liked to used to say, he, he used to say, we would put it up because we we're benevolent and it's really, but it's really, it's something for the players. It's something you kind of expect to take a loss on every year. Now we've been fortunate the last two years. We, we, Actually made a little bit the last two years on the NFL draft, but uh, you know between that and NBA draft, I mean, all of this is information based, as you said. The players typically will have the information before you do, and the earlier that you put these odds up, the more volatile the market is, and the more exposure you're going to have at higher numbers on some guys. So, um, you know. Our job really is to limit that exposure. So in a market like this that, I mean, let's face it, it's it's also a, a not a very liquid market. So um, you tend to have a lot of sharp money in there, and uh, it's it's just not something that's a really good time for books to uh, to want to put up and, and try to book this stuff. So, um, you know, it, it's something I try to wait and hold off for as long as possible. And we, we will put up the props and everything else that goes with it head to heads. And, and as we get closer to it, but I like to try to get through at least March madness um, and, and then put it up. Uh, but, you know, again, sometimes you just uh, have to give in the customer demand, I guess.
4: Mm. Uh, Thomas out there. Are there any uh, state restrictions in terms of what you guys are doing with the draft? Like out here in Nevada, right? They have to take them down 24 hours before the actual draft itself. So a lot of bookmakers will, you know, hang it up on like what is it Thursday? So they'll hang it up on like Tuesday and then pull it off immediately. It's like things like that. <laughs> uh, are there any restrictions from the state in terms of where you're at right now in Jersey and they, that you have to do as a bookmaker, or is it pretty open?
5: No, it's pretty open in Jersey. Uh, they they will allow it uh, all the way up. I don't. I don't know. I, I've never offered live draft betting. I'm not sure if Jersey does. Uh, they may even go that far. But, yeah, I mean, you can still bet it the day of uh, right up until the start. But, again, I mean, if you know – if the market's pretty much, it's pretty much known who the number one pick is going on, so you're going to pull that off um, and, and so forth. So, um, you know, I know Nevada kind of handles it a little bit differently and maybe a lot more conservative, conservative than other states. Uh, and certainly with the expansion of sports betting, uh, you know, you got to take it on a state by state basis, depending what's allowed. There's going to be probably be some states that won't allow any draft betting. Uh, but uh, New Jersey does. And, you know, we offer it right up until uh, the event goes off.
4: So I, I'm curious your thoughts on this angle, because I'm sure there are some shops. You know, we hear a lot from you guys about the draft and how much odds makers and directors and everybody else in control of these markets don't really like hanging them up. You, you just put some voice to that. Do you think it's there will be some odds makers in shops who decide not to hang up this at all? Are they deserving of some criticism for the most part? Like, look, at the end of the day, sports books have a really large edge, right? They have these holds and they're always usually coming out on top, right? Do you is it fair to criticize some shops who don't want to put these up? Because at the end of the day, there's a lot more opportunities for shops to come out on top than than betters. And maybe this is the one event where betters have an edge, and yet now we see odds makers, some of them refusing to put this up.
5: Well, I, it's an interesting question because I never like to tell someone mm-hmm. how to run their own business. Um, so if they feel that's best for them, then that's best for them. If they don't want to put it up, uh, will they get criticism for that from from customers? Yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure they will, uh, and it's something that they have to deal with if they if they don't want to uh, post odds up for it. Uh, but again, I, I don't like to get into how people run their their businesses. Everybody's different. Everybody's risk tolerance is different. Uh, and again, you know, some places might put this up with very, very low limits. Uh, so, and they'll probably get criticism for that from from players. So, it's uh, it, it's one of those things where, again, it, if the competition is kind of making you do it, well, then then good. You know, the the market kind of dictates what you do there. Um, but again, if you choose to to sit it out, then then you do, and if your criticism comes with it, uh, then so be it.
3: Here with Thomas Gable, director of the race and sports book at the Borgata, and as we turn our attention to the madness, it is already beginning. Last night we saw some great games. Kennesaw State punches their ticket to the dance for the first time in program history. What an incredible turnaround that's been over the last handful of years from a team that was one in twenty-eight just a mm-hmm. few seasons ago. You called it on the show yesterday. Memphis was the side against top-ranked Houston. The Cougars escape on a last-second buzzer beater, um, and and now we have some more great games ahead in the West Coast Conference. We've got a championship game um, in the SOCON tonight. What are some things that that you're looking at as it pertains to tonight's action?
5: Yeah, I mean, obviously the the, the highlights here are the the two uh, WCC uh, semifinal games there. Uh, BYU and St. Mary's, uh, pretty much seven across the board. St. Mary's laying seven in this. The, the total has come down. Currently sitting around 128 and a half and St. Mary's won both games between these two this year. Uh, BYU certainly looking to play spoiler, though. Uh, contrast in styles as, as St. Mary's will look to drag the number of possessions down. BYU loves to play at a quick pace, so it's always interesting to see who wins out in that struggle uh, when you have two teams match up that are you know one's a slower pace team, one's a, a quick, uh, quick team. And most of the time, it's a slower-paced team, and we, we know how good St. Mary's is on the defensive end. Um, you know BYU; they've already played two games in the WCC tournament. Uh, off day yesterday, obviously. St. Mary's comes in here very well rested with that double bye. So, winner of this game then goes on gets the winner of uh, Gonzaga in San Francisco. Zags right now fourteen and a half point favorites in that, and uh, total up to one sixty one. Uh, and you've seen the number move uh, from the opener Gonzaga laying 12 and a half there at the opener. So uh, Gonzaga taking money and looking to make their 26th straight trip to the WCC championship game. It's uh, in- pretty incredible. Uh, obviously the, they've been the class of uh, this conference for so long. And uh, this is a team that despite the brand name that they have, I feel is a little bit under the radar right now, uh, this type this time. So, Uh, you can still get them uh, around 20-1, to maybe even a little bit higher to win the NCAA tournament. And uh, why not take a shot on the team that has the best offense in all college basketball? They lead the country averaging 88 points per game. Uh, They average their first in effective field goal percentage as well. So not many teams are going to be able to outscore them in a track meet type game. So I, I think there's still a path for the Zags overall. And again, the Zags should not have... Much trouble in this one tonight. San Francisco coming off a double overtime victory against Santa Clara on Saturday. And, of course, the Zags, uh, they have the benefit of the double bye here tonight.
4: Thomas, I'm curious, and maybe you don't have thoughts on this game specifically, but the situation overall, because we do get to see, as Stormy mentioned, a So-Content, Chattanooga's going to be playing their fourth game in four days here against Furman. And we saw yeah. a similar situation yesterday, right? Campbell takes on UNC Asheville. They have a big lead, but it's their fourth game in four days, and they ultimately fade down the stretch and lose that game. From a situation standpoint, how do you handle Chattanooga? Because it does seem the money in market is coming in on them. This opened up, what, six in favor of Furman. We're down to like four and a half.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, and that's that's right. And we've been seeing only Chattanooga money here. So, uh, But like you said, it's, it's a number that uh, I think four and a half is – I don't know if I play Chattanooga four and a half. um, But as you said, it's certainly one of those situational spots where you have to look at this time of the year, teams that have been playing back to back to back games or what have you. And, you know, rest and the amount of time players are on the floor. You have to look at rotations, uh, which teams play maybe more, a deeper bench uh, because there's many programs out there that maybe only play six, seven guys on the regular. So, uh, those are all things you really have to research and take into account when you get deeper into these tournaments, into the semifinals and finals. So, yeah, yeah great point by you, JVT, to look at uh, to look at this one w- with that. And uh, again, four and a half—it's uh, probably a number that I'd be staying away from at this point.
3: Hey, Thomas, ten seconds. What's harder to book—the conference tournament weeks or the opening week of the NCAA tournament?
5: Uh, I, I think uh, probably the conference tournaments. The, the opening week. You know, we have basically so many days leading up to it. We yeah. we already know what the power ratings are on that. So we're we're good to go.
3: Good deal. Appreciate the time as always. That's Thomas Gable, director of the Race and Sportsbook at the Borgata at Borgata Sports. We're going to step aside. More Lombardi Line coming up in a moment.
1: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury
5: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's
1: your host, Stormy Bonatoni on v the sports betting network.
3: Attention, BetMGM customers have a friend who loves sports as much as you do. Well, here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when you sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account, click the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message. Inviting them to register a new account in the same state that you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, you'll both receive a $50 bonus. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions, must be 21 years of age or older to wager. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Gambling problem, call one 800 gambler promotional offer not available in Mississippi and Nevada. Stormy Von Antoni and Jonathan Von Tobel at the desk in Las Vegas. Michael Lombardi getting some time away well-deserved vacation and uh wrapping up our one with some more nfl talk with the breaking news today that Derek carr is signing with the new orleans saints uh mark schofield gonna help us break it all down nfl and draft writer over at sb nation welcome in mark how's it going
2: I'm doing well, friends. It is great to be here with you today. I figured we'd be talking more combine than anything else, but Derek Carr decided, you know what? Today's the day I'm going to make a big decision about my future, so I'd imagine we're going to get into that as well, but very excited to be here.
3: Something about quarterbacks who just love, like, messing up big days for other people. Does like,
4: Derek Carr like attention? I, I never <laughs> noticed that before.
3: Well, Remember, like, Tom Brady, Selection Sunday comes out of retirement last. It's just like It's just a whole thing. But, Mark, appreciate you um, being here to help us break down what was some exciting news, especially considering about 24 hours ago, we thought that the Jets were Derek Carr's potential landing spot or at least where he wanted to go most. Why the connection with the Saints? And now uh, we see New Orleans as the favorite in the NFC South.
2: I think we do see them as the favorite in the South, but obviously there are some more dominoes that could fall. We're keeping an eye on Atlanta and a potential Lamar Jackson situation. But I think there are a couple of reasons why Derek Carr decided that New Orleans was the home for him. There's obviously the relationship with Dennis Allen, who was the head coach of the Raiders when they drafted Carr out of Fresno State. So there's a relationship and a history there. I think schematically, there's a fit that works for Derek Carr in this Pete Carmichael offense. Obviously, Pete Carmichael spent the bulk of his NFL coaching career under Sean Payton, so it's that West Coast offense where it's quick throws, it's short throws, getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly. That's typically where Carr's been very strong. Now, I think he's a little bit underrated as a vertical passer, but from an X's and O's standpoint, I think the fit with Derek Carr and New Orleans makes sense. Now, there are questions that the Saints have to address going forward. Where are they with Michael Thomas? There's a massive roster bonus that becomes guaranteed on March 17th. They're in a very difficult cap situation. So how does that play out? There's the Alvin Kamara legal situation with the uh, criminal charges that he's facing. How does that play out? But schematically, this makes sense. And When you look around a sort of post-Tom Brady NFC South, Atlanta has quarterback questions. Carolina has quarterback questions. The Buccaneers have quarterback questions. Add in Derek Carr gives the Saints perhaps already the best quarterback in the division.
4: I mean, I'm curious. This is one of the more, I thought, perplexing storylines throughout last year. And I brought this point up, Mark, which was, you know, if you look at it statistically, he's actually not better than the guy he replaced, right? Andy Dalton, the, it, it, how much... How much do you think Derek Carr realistically raises the ceiling of this Saints team, given that they actually got some quality quarterback play from Andy Dalton last year?
2: I think it bumps it up a little bit here in the short term because, you know, Carr's effectiveness in the quick passing game, the short passing game, his ability to create a little bit more with his legs than I think Andy Dalton can right now. I think it boosts this team by a couple of wins, which frankly might be enough with where the NFC South is right now. I think the bigger question is, what about long-term? You know, what does Mm -hmm. this do for the Saints down the road? Is he sort of a one- to two-year stopgap approach while the rest of the division sorts itself out around their quarterback situations? And then they address this again a few years down the road. That might be the approach the Saints are taking. But given this window in the NFC South, that might be enough for the Saints to be competitive.
3: Now, uh, as expected, it seems like Jameis Winston's going to be that salary cap casualty when it comes to New Orleans. Because you mentioned a moment ago, Lamar Jackson and where he could potentially end up the franchise tag deadline tomorrow. A lot of talk has been that maybe he gets the non-exclusive tag, which would give another team an opportunity to come swoop him up. How do you think things play out with Lamar in Baltimore?
2: Well, Stormy, I really thought, say, a couple of months ago that Lamar Jackson would find his way back to the Baltimore Ravens. These two sides would find a way to get a deal done, whether it's via, you know, the exclusive franchise tag or a long term extension. But the more that this lingers and more it seems like we're headed to a parting between quarterback and team, which, again, I did not think was going to be possible a couple of months ago. And last week out in Indianapolis, the talk was the non exclusive tag. The talk was perhaps a team like Atlanta that maybe might find themselves priced out of a quarterback trade in terms of getting up for a draft quarterback would go the Lamar Jackson route. There's been a lot of smoke around Lamar Jackson to the Atlanta Falcons over the past couple of weeks, and that seemed to pick up in intensity last week out in Indianapolis. So with hours to the deadline, it seems like maybe Baltimore goes that route. They use the non-exclusive tag. They give another team the chance to perhaps match and give up some draft picks along the way. And then maybe we see the Ravens in the quarterback market when it comes down to draft time.
4: How, do you th- how real do you think this is in terms of the price tag that's been thrown out there for Daniel Jones?
2: It seems like it's real. You know, his agents are on the ground right now. It seems like perhaps a deal gets done. But again, the tag is a possibility, which would then open up Saquon Barkley. It would expose him to free agency. When you find a system that works, and it obviously worked with Brian Dable and Daniel Jones, he ran the ball 120 times. They found a way to get into the playoffs during a season where before the year started, their new general manager, Joe Shane, told us, look, this is what it is. This is the hand we were dealt. We're going to figure it out, which led me to believe, oh, they're not going anywhere. This is a rebuilding process. Instead, they turn around and get to the playoffs. (laughs) Daniel Jones found a way to get this team into the playoffs. So you feel like the Giants are going to find a way to get him back whether via the tag or if they can figure out a long-term extension right now. It seems like a lot of money but the going price for quarterbacks that can get you to the playoffs goes up and up and up every year and maybe Daniel Jones be the next beneficiary of that increase in price tag.
3: And that's what we talked about earlier that the the going rate is what the Mm -hmm. going rate is and maybe the Giants are just a victim of their own success here for what Brian Dable was able to put together set Daniel Jones up to have the season that he did. Um, another name that has been talked about over the last hour or so, Derek Henry potentially getting shopped away from the Titans. What are you hearing with, with regards to Henry?
2: It does seem like Henry might be on the move, and it seems like Tennessee, that's sort of the you know, under the sort of radar team that could be in the quarterback market in the draft. That was another conversation that happened in all week, all week in Indianapolis. It seems like Henry might be the next sort of casualty there. They've made a lot of moves already. And I'm sure teams that might feel that they're a piece or two away would look at what Derrick Henry has been able to do over the course of his career in Tennessee and certainly would find a room for him in their offense. So it does look like Tennessee's going through a rebuilding process right now. You wonder about Tannehill. Could he be the next domino? You wonder about what they do with the quarterback position. Obviously, the Malik Willis draft pick last year doesn't seem to be panning out. They started Josh Dobbs over Malik Willis down the stretch in pivotal games and in a playoff game. And it seems like Henry might be the next next domino to fall in Tennessee.
4: So when it comes to Henry, would that be like, what's the price for Henry if they're going to maybe sh- shop him and ship him off somewhere? Because it's obviously a running back that makes a lot of money, but it's been a very productive running back.
2: Right. I mean, you'd wonder about sort of a day two kind of pick. You know, I don't think he's going to get a first round pick back because we know what, you know, the shelf life is for running backs. And Henry is obviously a very powerful back, has been able to play at a very high physical level for a while now. But when you have a player like Bijan Robinson in the draft, you know, you might want to go that route, even if it costs you a first-round pick, then a running back like Derrick Henry, who is powerful and as strong as he is, has a little bit more NFL mileage on him. So I don't think it'll be a first-round pick in return, but something like a second or a third seems to make more sense.
3: Here with NFL and draft writer Mark Schofield of SB Nation. Let's, okay, let's talk combine. You just got home from Indy. Um, I got when you look, <laughs> sorry, and I'm Italian, so the hands get oh. crazy. But um, when it comes to quarterbacks, there's so much talk about, how the performances were in the combine versus what you see on tape and of course will levis and anthony richardson are two of the big names that come to mind when it comes to that how would you evaluate this quarterback class and what did you leave indy saying about that bunch
2: well first of all the four players that are typically listed at the top right richardson Jan stroud levis I think there's a case to be made for all four of those quarterbacks working out, perhaps in the right environment. For example, with Will Levis, I would really like the idea of him in Carolina with everything they've put around the quarterback position from Frank Reich to Josh McDowell. They've put in place a coaching staff that can develop a quarterback. But with Anthony Richardson being inside Lucas Oil Stadium on Saturday, you could tell something was happening. You, You could tell that the market was starting to shift amongst these quarterbacks, because from what he did in terms of testing from what he did during his throwing session, because let's face it, the question on him is accuracy and ball placement. He looked really good during his throwing session. Bryce Young is extremely talented. CJ Stroud is a rhythmic passer that is so smooth, so precise, a ball placement specialist. But if you're going to take a big swing at the top of the draft board, an absolutely unbelievable athlete like Anthony Richardson might be the type of player you build an offense around.
3: Thank you, Mark. Appreciate the time. You're awesome.
2: Thanks so much, my friends. Always a blast. We'll catch up again soon.
3: Yes, sounds good. Make sure you follow him, everybody, at Mark Schofield, doing great work over there at SB Nation. Uh, John Ewing of BetMGM, by the way, tweeted out Titans' odds to win the Super Bowl 66 to 1 opening, 80 to 1. Now listening to offers for Derrick Henry. So. Just throwing that out there. Uh, What a day it was in the NBA yesterday. We'll recap a little bit of that action and look ahead to a six-game slate in the association with our NBA betting analyst and expert, Jonathan Von Tobel.
1: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City.